Hello and welcome to a bit of a different introduction to what we normally do here on Black Archive because it is actually just me this time. And not like the last time when I pretended which James had gone, he actually isn't here. Um, but he is here for the main ep- talk point of this episode for Gunfighters. It's just me here talking about the little bit of breaking news which we had, at least in the Doctor Who world, because we had the Comic-Con panel when you're listening to this yesterday, when I'm recording this today. So James will be giving us his thoughts and opinions on this later on in this little intro section. But if you want to listen to just the main episode, you can skip to 10 minutes 40 and then you can just get the gunfighters without any of this nattering on about random stuff just with me monologuing because I don't quite know why I want to listen to it. But here we are. So first impressions for me from the new trailer, at least. I don't think we, we're meant to get much out of it. Everyone's getting annoyed about it not containing much. But equally, it is just for teaser. It's something to show us for the themes, the emotional impact behind the stories. So if you're looking for story information, it's not here. It's essentially to tell us we're still working on it. Here's what we've got. And it looks good. It's got good it's got a good feel to it. The production values seem good, which they have been for most of Chipnall's run. It's just where the stories run into a few issues, which kind of brings us on to the main talking point from the panel, which surprisingly wasn't the trailer it was the big news which the new story structure which we'll be using so we're going to be moving away from the monster of a week kind of dearly and moving on to one story throughout the entire season and i think it's the most interesting part really to come out of the panel because it kind of makes sense considering covid restrictions you can't have as many guest actors coming in and out like you can't have the baddie change every week you need to be able to keep that bubble small rather than having people constantly going in and out because otherwise it defeats the whole purpose so it makes sense logistically but can Chipnall do it which I think is a big question he can I think do this sort of story structure because he's done really well with things such as broadcast which is following this sort of structure and most British TV most drama at least is starting to follow this format so, but it also comes with downsides because, well, I think we can all admit which Chip Knoll's good stories are really good, but his bad ones, they're bad, particularly his endings, because his endings tend to be, yeah, let's just not go there. Um, so he has one chance here to prove to us which this story can work. We can't have a damp squib and a really good one, because we've got this really good one. However, for looking back at what we've discovered so far on the Into Black Archive journey, with the old story arcs with it being serialised, you can also have really bad rushed endings, even with all the time of the world. I mean, the Sensorized proved that with the essential just... And we solved that problem. So that's going to be an interesting thing to see, if he can actually manage to hit the entire story on the head with just one big story and doing it right particularly monster wise because we also got told which monsters we're going to be having returning monsters so we've let's be honest we've already we already know what's coming we've had photos we know Sontarans are coming we know weeping angels are coming and we also know that the daleks are coming obviously the question's going to be how will it be handled with this new story structure because Unless they're kind of saying which all these people are organising one centralised group, which I don't think will work. I'm going to be interested to see the excuse of getting them all going at each other for this one story. Speaking of new things as well, we've got the new guest star. For We have got the guest star, which I don't know him. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't watched Broad Church and I haven't watched Game of Thrones. We've got Jacob Anderson as Vindar. We don't know what role he's going to play yet, but he looks... We know he goes into the TARDIS. That's all we know. So he could be a companion. He could be the bad guy. We don't know yet, but we'll have to wait and see. I don't know anything about him, so I can't give any views here. But we also know how the story starts for setup. So we've been told which which the Doctor and Yaz have been travelling alone for a while, which hopefully gives them time to know each other's characters well, so they know each other's weaknesses. They can bounce off each other a lot more 
which will enable, hopefully, enable Dan to thrive. And because Dan is the new character, he needs to do well because otherwise Chipnels might have a few problems because they've kind of used the two full of a TARDIS excuse now for two seasons. He won't have that for much longer. Anyway, that's enough of me rambling on. I'm going to hand over now to James. Well, it was 30 seconds of a lot of suggestion and not a lot of detail. Um, Very, very vague about what's going to come, but it seems that, at least from the trailer, they've gone for a big scale, a big multi-story adventure, a new ca- well, two new characters um, with John Bishop and Jacob Anderson coming on. So, obviously, Chibnall is opting to have at least two companions, but maybe even four principal characters again, which makes me hope that he's learned from some of the problems that have plagued the previous two series. If he can, with the new characters, just create people that are likeable and have a bit of depth to them that I can invest in, then I think we'll have a much better story. And Yasmin's going to be really crucial because we've had her on the show for two years now and I'm still to see a reason for why I should care too much about her. But if he can figure out all of these issues and um, create a good Doctor Who story across multiple parts, which is really, really interesting, then I think we could be on to something good. Visually, it looks very nice. Uh, They're using some good, good cameras on this, um, so they haven't shirked with the budget. So hopefully, uh, the story is a big ticket item as well. So, one story. Uh, Obviously, we've been doing the classic episodes, so we're used to multi-part narratives now. It's nothing new for us. But it's not something that's been properly tried yet on Modern Who, so... It will be very intriguing to see how that story device translates today with modern audiences in particular and um, with the new Doctor and these characters. But again, it it just depends on what the story is. I mean, the trailer doesn't give too much away, well, anything away about what villains we've got, whether we're meeting someone new, someone old, whether we're meeting multiple villains. So it's hard to know really where we're going. so the only thing I can really say on the multi-story element is it's the thing we talk about on every Black Archive episode. The story has to be there. It has to be well-paced. And we can't have uh, them arrive on a planet where there is a, a race of people <laughs> that have been oppressed and we need to free them. Let's not have that. Let's not return to the 1960s. Let's use the multi-story serialization method to create something new and exciting that's worth watching. So Jacob Anderson's a really interesting bit of casting. Uh, Who have gone back to Thrones? Uh, Where we got Maisie Williams from a few series back under the Moffat era. And now we've got Grey Worm, uh, which is where the majority of people will know Jacob Anderson from. He's most famous for uh, having his balls cut off on HBO. So make of that what you will. I think he's quite a decent actor. To be honest, I think he played that role really well, even though Grey Worm was often maligned by uh, a lot of the Thrones fans when it was on. It's one of those castings that could go either way, because he's obviously got experience of a big television show, and more importantly, a high-quality television show for seven seasons at least. So if they're serious about the story and they think they've got something on, casting somebody from Thrones feels like a serious statement of we believe in the story, we're going to get quality actors who have experience at this level. So, yeah, it's one of those, again, where you'll need to see the episode to see how it turns out. I'm very interested to see what the character is for him. Uh, If it's what I'm thinking, it might be a decent fit because we've heard he's sort of a recurring character who's kind of in and amongst it, maybe manipulating things behind the scenes or a key part of things we're not seeing, and that would suit him based on what I've seen him in. So hopefully it's a good bit of casting for the story and hopefully we all enjoy it. So in conclusion from the Comic-Con stuff, there's it's really not changed an awful lot actually because there's not much more detail than we had. The only things we really know is that that Jacob Anderson's now in and that the story is going to be multi-part, which... It's an interesting bit of news, but 
to be honest, the way the series arcs have been done on Who, it's been getting closer to that point for series now. So we we're basically just jumping a bridge we were going to cross. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I hope that Chibnall pulls a good story out of the bag. I still do. I think he can, but I'm not going to believe it until I see it anyway. So thank you very much for listening to our little first impressions on what was announced yesterday at the Comic-Con panel. Since James wasn't here, we weren't able to have a proper discussion about it, but hopefully we'll be able to do that next next week before the start of the next week's episode as well so enjoy this podcast so fill up your glasses and join in the song the law is right behind you and it won't take long so come you coyotes and how at the moon till there's blood upon the sawdust in the last chance so hello and welcome to in for black archive as we go to the last chance saloon in the wild west joining me as always is james my hand was on my heart there like we were doing the national anthem <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear it. So to download this for this podcast, I had to actually go find an like an original audio recording for it. It's far, 10 minutes long. I'd like to say some of the best Pink Floyd songs aren't 10 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, no. It's... But no, this needs 10 minutes. Yeah. So we today we are reviewing... Um, I've actually forgotten the name of it because of a song. For Gunfighters... <laughs> Still going. So, so if you didn't have, if you haven't watched the gunfights yourself, you you'll quite like this song. If you have watched it yourself, you'll never want to hear this song again, ever. Listeners, let me let me paint a scene for you. Um, this song, to me, after watching all four parts of the gunfighters, "Hello Again, Missy," is the equivalent of chaining yourself to the hottest radiator in your house and smashing your head against it over and over again. <laughs> this thing, if a scene ends, this song plays. But did you notice, which every time it seemed... So essentially what this... So let... let yeah, as you were saying... <laughs> God. <laughs> so every... So... After every key point of the episode, a version of this song plays, but it's essentially narrating what happened in the in that section. Did you notice that, or did you realize? I did. I did notice that. Yeah, Yeah, it starts after like it gets really bad in the last two episodes, where they're literally just describing the scene that you've just watched, but in rhyme. Yeah, and an annoying song. And we're finishing up there. So that, 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 that song there was the first um, song written for Doctor Who. And it was also, unsurprisingly, the last in until Rose in modern Doctor Who. It, last, it left an impact. Yeah, I think... I would like to start <laughs> this conversation about music in Doctor Who by saying um, that it was a bold step... And I yeah. admire the fact that they took a risk. The annoying thing is, I started thinking, "Oh, this is quite cool. This this is actually quite good." Hmm. But then they then they essentially got a pummel and just constantly jammed it down your throat, pestle and mortar ring, just yeah, grinding it to, into you. The whole story starts and it's kind of it fades up, and you've got this wild west town because we're in the wild west yeah. if you couldn't tell yeah um and the song plays and you're thinking oh, okay well they're setting the mood this is a perfectly okay song yeah this, all right and then this we're is, gonna fade out we have an episode this is new to who i can get into this let's just have a little bit of incidental song sung music dotted here and there but no no this this almost plays like the music video for the song yeah a 90 minute long music video which i mean wouldn't be that bad if it changed 
in any way other than the lyrics. Uh, now, you say that, but in the last episodes, the chords do change sometimes. There's like a do minor they? variation. Yeah, it does. Uh, There's like a minor variation. Yeah. And so at least it does it. There's, it like changes once, mm. maybe twice, but that still ain't great. Yeah, it, it it's it's still a bit grinding. So as you, as you can tell by our reaction to this amazing lyrical piece, I'm guessing, James, you weren't the biggest fan of this episode. Um... <laughs> No, no, Owen. Whatever would give you that impression? Well, most of the population of the UK at the time would agree with you because this was one of the lowest um, appreciation figures which Doctor Who ever had. This episode was so unpopular, most of the British public decided they didn't like it and they didn't watch it. Yeah, the the thing is, the, the first part sets you off with this song... And which is almost the entire episode, and then it does not let up for the other three episodes. So I completely understand why you wanted to check out After One. I, of course, didn't, uh, which is really no. my loss. Yeah. I mean, just so we know about how... Because normally me and James don't discuss the episode we're watching until we sit down and record. James does know my reaction to, this, to the music, at least, because I sent him a text around halfway through episode two going, this song is getting really bloody annoying. <laughs> See, when I sent, when I sort of said, oh, yes, the song, um, that's annoying me. I was about five minutes into episode one. <laughs> I gave uh, you it a was warning. annoying then. Yeah. <laughs> After the second horrible. or third one, when I realised, oh, they're really going to, they're really going to do this. Like, they're really going to lean on this. Yeah. Like, it's almost the entire story. There are bits where they literally describe the scene you've got but not in a creative way not like you know oh there were there were flowers there and then the man died whatever it's literally just he was a barman which we knew this man is an outlaw which we knew the outlaw has killed the barman something which we have seen not 10 seconds hence like as you say it wouldn't even be that bad if they use metaphors but they don't even they they attempt to at the beginning and they kind of just decide you know what i can't be bothered the lyrics might as well have been, there once was a man, now he is dead. Yeah. Anyway. Shall we do for this first synopsis and characters before we rant on any more about the music? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's actually go into, because somewhere um, underneath this heavy blanket of a song is a story. Um, yes. So, Owen, what is the story of the gunfighters at rapid pace? You're off. So it all starts off with the Doctor and his companions landing in uh, the Wild West. But the Doctor has a problem. Is it a TARDIS problem, a technical problem, a real problem which they need to solve? No, he's got a toothache when for his first reaction as a Time Lord in for fu- who's come from Futurist to have it removed because, you know, that's what we do. Um, so he goes off to find a dentist. The dentist turns out to be Doc Holliday, a famous outlaw, which then entails gunfights fight for Doctor getting confused by Doctor Holiday because Doctor Doc Holiday and then there's a massive fight between two opposing clans and then the story ends. That is that's a that pretty much sums it up. But, like normally I like to try to go in for nuances, but there isn't any. Yeah, it's we arrive, there is sort of a case of mistaken identity, which is resolved quite quickly and then everyone realizes that everyone needs to get shot. Yeah, so essentially, um Mistaken identity, they're all in the same place. Dodo gets kidnapped. Um, Doctor gets taken in jail. Stephen gets tricked into helping him break out. And then we kind of go from there, try and bring everyone together. Then we get then we get Dodo back, but then Dodo goes again. And, and then it all just yo-yoing backwards and forwards with people. Yeah, all... There's no real space for development because it's all just stuff it's it's but not stuff or substantial stuff it's just background noise yeah it does become background noise so um with that um promising precursor in mind owen Mm. characters (laughs) steven let's go it's over with steven oh that's interesting um so steven gets a new name Regret. For this episode or an alias regret and i'm <laughs> the sure they actually regret and i'm sure they regret this episode um oddly enough 
I'm starting to really like Stephen. Really? Yeah, just just his character as a whole. He's very easily fooled, which I find quite amusing. Um, but he's also really headstrong. He's also... I, I just like his company. And there's not much I, more I can say about it other than that is I enjoy his company. I think the actor, Peter Purves, does a lot more than the writing he was given, especially in this episode where mm. his role is really just to be the butt of several jokes. Yeah. And then he almost gets hanged. But we'll get to that. Um, yeah, he's good company. Uh, but this the problem is sort of in terms of the episode in general is it doesn't really do anything to develop him as a character. We're kind of just there again, going through the motions while all this background noise is going on around us. Mm. And it's the same, really, if you want to go into, um, if you want to go into Dodo, um, who we get to see for a second uh, episode straight. Who doesn't do much. She just, she, uh, no, she does do stuff. She, she does do a couple of things. She, yeah. she attempts, attempts to threaten um, Holiday. So then Holiday takes a liking to her. And then that's essentially it. Yeah, she shows herself as a competent outlaw out of nowhere, which is but kind of surprising. She wasn't very competent, was she? She just kind of attempted and then failed badly. And got away with it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's okay because the story... This was a classic episode of, oh, we're going to put all the characters in tents. How are they going to get out of this one situations? Not realising that we've now had three seasons of it, and we know they are. So where is the actual tension coming from? Yeah. It seems to become more and more outlandish. I think this, this story in particular suffers from the issue which a lot of historicals have, is that we know how rough... Which we know for characters can't affect the story, because otherwise the story wouldn't happen. So the characters can't aren't there to affect the story in any way. They they're just kind of there along for the ride. The only one which I can think of which does it really well is Rosa from recent series, is where they kind of try to they realise which they have to be for ones who force it down the road. But then this one here, they don't even do that. They just kind of stand there and watch. It it's one of those episodes that's almost weirdly could have existed without any one of the TARDIS crew being there. Yeah. It's so bizarre how little they do for the plot. They kind of just get themselves caught in the crossfire. And it's sort of a caper, you know, like a sort of, oh, mm. you know, they're in a they're in a comedy of errors. And the entire, what I don't realize the whole episode's an error. They essentially spent the entire episode trying to get away from people. And no, and it just never works. Should we no. talk about um, William Hartnell? Because we're on, the, yeah, we're on the third to last now that we've got. No. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yes. Third to last. Yeah, third to last. I I feel like he did more this time than he has done previously, but even then it wasn't much. He had a bit of fun with the yeah. whole old Westy thing. Um, there's this scene in a dentist's, which is sort of funny. Um, he has a fair bit of fun with the surroundings but again it was kind of like we were talking about um on the arc episode last week yeah is that he has been going through these motions now for a bit and you can tell that it's it's high time where the show needs a bit of a boost or a revamp boosty boost yeah yeah it's getting a little bit stuck and stale isn't it because I think with the arc, what made that not feel stale was it was a well-written, well-set-up story. And it constantly had reasons to exist. Like, I, I I, didn't actually think about this at the time, but it's one of the few episodes when the Doctor and the crew decide to stay there and not run back to the TARDIS. Mm. It's one of the first stories which didn't do that. But here, like, they do have a reason to stay with the TARDIS, but it's just not very good. Yeah, it's just, oh, I've got toothache. Oh, that's convenient. The other character is a dentist. Oh, wait, he's called Doctor by other people. Oh, they don't know what Doctor looks like. Yeah, I'll I'll get into this in a second because that's a better point for when we're talking about the episode story by story. Yeah. Or the story episode by episode. Um, Shall shall we actually start just digging through the four and going through bit by bit? Yes, so we start off with the TARDIS landing in West, in America. Yes, in Tombstone, a small western town 
in the cowboy era. There's no real specific year we get given. It's just cowboys. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, it's 1881. I just had a look. Um, yeah, because it's, it, it's a real life event it's describing, which yeah. kind of goes on to what I was saying before about how how it's really hard to do it when you're talking about major historical events because you know that story needs to play out step by step. Otherwise, we don't have that story to fall back on. So that's why I think a lot of other historicals, they don't focus so much on the main historical figure because we know how that event's going to go. Yeah, or if you do it, you have to position your audience a little bit differently because if if an audience already knows what's going to happen, yeah, then the drama has to be doing other things that change the understanding of what happens. Yeah, because like I referenced Rosa beforehand, but it's essentially that attempting to make sure the event happens with someone trying to disrupt it so you've got that element of tension there of making sure this event happens out a plan and you very quickly realize wait to get this this horrible thing to happen i need to be that horrible person yeah which adds a lot of tension into it but if it was essentially just a trick of oh look it's rosa parks yeah which is what this episode is by the way there's no nuance to it it's just oh this is Wyatt Earp yeah hello (laughs) and that's all we get you know he's a guy and he does the things that in history he does and we leave yeah so even as someone who doesn't didn't know about this particular event in history even though I did American history at, at school I probably did and I just can't remember it even then it didn't really feel that impenetrable because I can tell it's got to play out in a particular way yeah I mean, I'm, I'm the same as you, um, obviously, with us growing up in England or Cyprus, where I was, American history is not top of the agenda. I'm vaguely aware of OK Corral, but only really as a reference. Yeah. So I wasn't aware of the story that actually that comes from. So at least this was a slightly new bit of knowledge for me. But either way, it doesn't make me too <laughs> invigorated to go check out American <laughs> history, just because the episode isn't very good. Um and kind of deals with it in a almost incomprehensible way by the end because it just is pure gunfire with no yeah. motivational reason. So, as we're saying, so the TARDIS lands, they realise they're in America, the Doctor is sat by the side holding a toothache, which he decides he needs to go have removed. Which, I mean, if it hurts a lot, I get it. Toothaches hurt. Yeah. Yeah. But, but... E- equally, as I said in our introductory thingy, we're led to believe which the doc- even at this point when the Time Lords aren't even a figment of anyone's imagination, we're led to believe this we're led to believe the doctors from the future. Mm. Potentially from a different planet, we don't hundred percent know yet. But you would think as someone from the future you wouldn't go in straight away to Oh, must have my tooth removed. It it's one of those things which very much feels like a we need a reason for him to be here. Yeah. And it they and the annoying thing here is that they didn't even try. Yeah, it's just, oh, he has a toothache. Cool. <laughs> it's a lot of this episode. It, it felt like they had the episode planned out and they went, oh, shit, we don't have a reason for him to be here. Oh, quickly, let's just give him a toothache. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because our other character is a dentist, so that gets them to meet. It's like, well, they could have met anywhere. The only thing the dentistry thing does is it has this sort of funny scene when you realise, oh, yeah, he's in, obviously in 1881, so if he's getting his tooth out, it's not like it's going to get injected. No. And believe me, getting your tooth out without an injection is pretty poor. Um, so with an injection, is pretty yeah. poor. It feels like what even a better way of doing this would have been initially them not meeting Doc Holiday, and they just in they go in for pub, and then the and the doctor's mistaken. We don't even know who Doc Holiday is at the moment. Then we're in a little bit more confusion. Who's Doc Holiday? Who's who's this person who we're trying to hide from? But no, we just meet him straight away. Mm. Yeah, we just kind of get stuck in the moment. Yeah. The issue is with this episode, for me, trying to explain and get into it and discuss it with you and our listeners, is that while it's not amazing, it's also not terrible. It's just dull. Nothing of consequence happens. So it just feels like every part of the episode is based on oh, the story is taking us here. Not the characters. It's just, oh, the writer needs to do this. Yeah. The big problem I have with with the first episode in particular 
is that the way the characters really get crossed in the story is basically because of a series of coincidences. Oh, no, not your coincidence to, rule. Yeah, that leads to the Doctor <laughs> being confused for Doc Holiday because these outlaws have come into town and they're not sure what Holiday looks like. Yeah. But they roughly kind of know and they know that he goes by the name Doctor or Doc. Obviously, the Doctor does. Um, but because of a series of coincidences, you have to think that almost the whole episode is geared around making coincidences work. So it's you spend whole scenes with the outlaws going, oh, how should I know what he looks like? Um, and then the Doctor's obviously with Holiday, and Holiday realizes, it's like, oh, okay, well, if he doesn't look like this, I'll make him look like me. And then... Yeah, and then the only reason they even twig on is because Stephen and Dodo literally just say, oh, the Doctor will be here in a minute, just to themselves, and then everyone hears it. And it's like, well, that must be, because there can't be another Doctor within miles of this area. And so the entire story in that episode is predicated on making loose coincidences work, which is the wrong thing to do. It's the antithesis of good writing. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something intelligent, but I've forgotten. If I've if I've not heard a better tagline for this podcast, goodness me! <laughs> um, I'm sure it'll come back to me at one point. Hopefully, it does. So yeah, that's really the episode one story, and then we meet a bunch of side characters. Oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. Sorry. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So we're led to believe which Doc Holiday is this big outlaw who's murdered this person's brother. Mm. I think. Um, but then they've gone all the way across town to a different town without like a wanted poster, without someone who had previously known this person to give them a description. We don't have any of this stuff. Like, if if he had a picture of him, nothing would have happened. But it's, as you were saying, it's a coincidence of, oh, he didn't know this person's identity, which is just doesn't make any logical sense. This is, again, the thing. It's just... Characters do not make decisions for themselves. They make decisions because the plot requires them to do it. Like when the Doctor gets arrested by Warp and he doesn't just because he's friends with Holiday. Yeah. So he goes along with the ruse. No, there's no reason for him to go along with the ruse. Yeah, he doesn't benefit in any way. It's like, oh, is he being loyal? But not really. Because he could have, because he didn't, he wasn't aware of what was going on. He went in there and generally it could have been a case of mistaken identity. He could have gone, that's not Holiday. But no, because it, because it sort of suits a lie. He's like, oh, right, then we'll arrest him and completely lie about it to everybody. <laughs> because by, cause I'm guessing by the interactions, they already knew which the sheriff was friendly with Holiday. Yeah. So he wasn't exactly hiding that from them. And then, as you say, it just kind of go... We start from this point, and it just kind of spins in continuously just down questionable routes. It, it's even when... Isn't it almost better for Wyatt to go in and say... I don't know who this man is because I don't know who Holiday is. And try and defend the fact that he doesn't know Holiday to kind of protect that. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense as to why he leans into the fact he knows the person that they're out to go and get. Yeah. It makes him more sensitive to them. But, you know, the story needs it. There's also an interesting thing at the end of episode one, which I wanted to talk about, which is um, how they cliffhanger it is that they Stephen and Dodo and the Doctor are posing as sort of travelling musicians, yes. which is where they get these bonkers aliases from, including the Stephen Regret one. Um, anyway, Stephen and Dodo are pretty much forced at gunpoint to play uh, the song, um, the, the song, um, which they play, and so now Stephen can sing it. What a relief. So, yeah, they do it. And uh, the thing I wanted to point out is really, it's inconsequential to the episode, but it's just a moment where I go, sorry, and they never bring it up, is the fact that both Stephen and Dodo pick up a piece of 1881 sheet music for a song they clearly do not know, which is quite complex for the piano, and both of them play it absolutely fine, despite having no experience of piano that we know of. Yeah, they even, they even go, hopefully the piano knows it. Hopefully they know it, and they can casually read sheet music and play it's not twinkle twinkle little star that's got a lot of elements to it as someone who's played for a little bit um you can't just pick that up (laughs) that takes a bit of time i still can't read sheet music and i've been doing this for way too long to make that seem like a good thing so after this cliffhanger the doctor comes in from his trip from the dentist 
he doesn't look like he's in much pain considering he got his tooth removed. Yeah, no, he's just fine, isn't he? I mean, he's a bit of a hard man time lord, isn't he? So pain doesn't affect him as much as the rest of us. No, but anyway, aside from that point, um, he goes into there and goes, I'm the doctor. And they go, and they all sort of surround him, like trying to work out the best, easiest way to skin him alive. Hmm. And that's basically sort of, yeah, episode one into two. And then yeah. this is where the story starts to really, really muddy because it just gets to the point where everything is noise pretty much. Everyone starts threatening each other with death. Yay! Dodo ends up getting trapped in the hotel room above the saloon where she's with Holiday and um, a woman called Kate who is seemingly attached to Holiday and wants to be his wife. Yay! Uh, and then the doctor goes to jail. Yay! <laughs> yeah, all these things just kind of happen. And as the story goes through, the main sort of crux of two is that Stephen hatched the plan to try and break the doctor out of jail. Well, he didn't hatch it. He got told it. And he, for some reason, believed the Clayton brothers. Yeah, he's completely duped by notorious criminal outlaws. <laughs> and he's fairly, he knows they're notorious outlaws because they're holding guns. Actually, just one point, which I've just remembered, which I want to discuss with you, and say how annoyed I was about it. And then we can mm. just go back onto it, because I doubt we'll be talking about this for a while. Yeah. When Stephen is singing and Dodo is playing for piano, Stephen goes, stop, go upstairs now. So it's like a sensible kind of a precaution. Mm. Dodo goes, but I was quite enjoying that. <laughs> With guns pointing at her head. Sometimes there are some interesting bits in this episode that do not make any sense. But anyway, and also how they act off. How they also only let Stephen sing that one song. Yeah, constantly, over and over again. He's like, well, come on, we've had it four or five times. Keep going. <laughs> anyway, enough of that, that, that side note. Anyway, what you were saying? What I was saying was, um, yeah, so it pretty much, this all leads to a pretty botched uh, jail escape sequence. Um, yeah, and don't... all of a sudden, Stephen has a noose around his neck. <laughs> Yeah, because essentially the Doctor, while he didn't go into the jail willingly, he stayed in there willingly because he could unlock it at any point we're led to believe. Mm. So for Stephen got tricked into thinking, oh, we're going to, for, he's going to go in there and jailbreak this incorrect prisoner. But then he gives the Doctor a gun and Doctor just goes, gives it to the sheriff. No. Yeah, he's just like, right, here's a gun. I'm not and, doing this yet. And then Stephen runs back gets taken hostage and then they all turn up around the sheriff's office and have a bit of a rumble. Mm. And then that happens. Yeah, Stephen is suddenly in a noose and threatened with the, the concept of irretrievable death. But don't worry, it's fine because Earp basically fronts up to them and ends up knocking somebody out and freeing him, which is just kind of lucky. It's another part of the story where you think, well, then why are we here with these characters? Because we're just watching side characters do their job. Yeah, and then... We're just watching the story. And then uh, Stephen and the Doctor are together. And this is what I was on about before, how it just kind of yo-yos back and forth, him trying to get together with people. The Doctor and Stephen are together. But no, no, oh no, Dodo's gone. Let's quickly go find Dodo at, at the pub. Why are we going back to the pub? All the people are probably hanging out, but who cares? We're going back to the pub. Yeah, we're just going to go back to the pub. I mean, Dodo at this point has basically been um, taken to an extent by Holiday and Kate, who Holiday's realising he needs to get out of town fast. And he recognises that in order to make sure he does that quickly, he probably got to take Dodo with him. Yeah, so so he goes down, kills one of Clayton's friends, and then we go off. Doctor goes, oh no, he goes to Stephen, oh, where's Dodo? Stephen goes, oh, she's in the room upstairs. They go back to the inn. They realise Dodo's not up there. They go, oh no. Hmm. And then so at this then point, a new Stephen character comes in. Stephen ends up doing this kind of solo mission. Oh, yes, a new character comes in. Um, this is another conversation about coincidences, my word. There's a scene early on in episode three where the Clantons go, we should hire this guy called Johnny Ringo. He's a... Really... Well, about hiring him, were they just saying, we should get him in on this? 
Yeah, they were about, we should get him in on this, kind of speculatively. They said, oh, but then they go and say, oh, you won't be able to pay for Johnny Ringo. He works alone. He doesn't accept a low price. He's the most feared, notorious. You know, you won't be able to get him. He would never do something like this. Anyway, five, se- five minutes later, Johnny Ringo, of his own accord, just shows up. Yeah, and then kills the bartender who's the most, even from on my account, quite a wet and timid character considering his surroundings. Yeah, for, considering he's surrounded by gunmen daily, I, I'm yeah. amazed he survived this long. Also, did you notice but behind his bar it said no shooting? Yes, which is <laughs> sort of funny. Thinking, that, that's the only point where it really amused me when I realised what that sign said. Yeah, that is sort of funny. But then Ringo, but then Doc and Stephen go upstairs, spend the night, they, they're up there for some reason, and um, Ringo comes in, shoots the guy, and in the morning they come down and they realise... Wait, the guy's dead. But also, they didn't have silence at this point. Surely they would have heard a gunshot. Surely you could hear that gunshot from all around the town. No. Everyone was sleeping. Don't this, question it. This story is just so painful in these ways as soon as you start thinking about it. Yeah, it, the logic or the internal logic of this episode is just off out the wall. It doesn't add up in the way that normal stories do. And, th- and this is why I'm having this, this kind of almost ranty talk about it because almost every element of this story is off and yeah, based on things it shouldn't be. Like, the best way to put it is that this story has got no reason to exist. Nothing happened Yeah, effectively. The story would have happened if the Doctor and Stephen and Dodo were here or not. Really. Yeah. Like, they don't enable it to take place. Yeah, and it's just kind of... The story in sort of episode they, three and four just starts to bring in the Earp brothers and just starts to kind of name-drop things for no real reason. They don't do much in the story. You know how I was saying before about how Rosa will... will for the entire story of Rosa was trying to get this historical event to actually happen. Yeah. The Doctor spent a good proportion of this... of at least season of episode three, I think, or episode... For, trying to make mm. sure this the main event doesn't happen. Yeah, which is entirely against the whole don't interfere policy. Yeah. You know, fixed points in time and all that. I mean, but there are a lot of inconsistencies. I mean, the Doctor yeah. says frequently in this episode that he doesn't touch a drop of alcohol, but two stories ago we were on about him enjoying mead in Northumbria, so pick one. Yeah. Like, even those sorts of things I can even get because it's just little details. But this detail here, so he's he's shown to know about these characters, so he knows their backstory, but then equally tries to stop their backstory from happening. It just makes no sense, what is going on. But anyway, enough of us ranting. Um, They somehow get joined together, Dojo and the Doctor somehow get joined together again, but Stephen's now lost. Yes, because Stephen's gone looking for Dodo and is now with the Clantons. Yes, and then Ringo or something, Holiday brings Dodo back, so Doctor and Dodo are now together, but Stephen's separated, so now they need to then get Stephen from the Clanktons. I'm not entirely sure the how that's... Clanktons? Clanktons, yeah. Clanktons? Did you say Plankton? Clankton, yeah. <laughs> the Clanktons... Um, the Grabby Betty recipe will be mine. <laughs> Stephen somehow gets back to the Doctor. I'm still not entirely sure how that happened. Dodo's... Sort of maybe saves Holiday, but we're not entirely alleged. sure. Dodo gets taken hostage for a minute. Dodo elbows the guy in the chest. The guy shoots. Holiday shoots the guy. And then we're kind of at the end of the story. Yeah. I, I mean, don't you just notice that this whole thing is sudden gunfire and then there is no story to it. It's just, oh, now we need to make noise and action. And we almost just wait for it to end, and then it resolves somehow. We just go, ah, oh, it's over now. We yeah, can like, go. They've got from big, massive gunfight, and then we're sat there going with Holiday. Oh, it was good. Good meeting you, Holiday. Let's go away again. Yeah, it's like, oh, now now we're done with this story, which really does reflect how I ended up feeling with him, where I just thought, oh, my goodness. The whole fourth episode is nearly incomprehensible. It just brings the characters together and then sets the story on yeah. fire and expects you to come out of it not burned. You know how previously we said the fight scenes on Doctor Who are tend to be too slow, too laborious, and a yeah. bit dull? They seem to have gone 
even in the chase with the Viperton Daleks Mechagons, they seem to have gone the opposite direction. They're now just going too fast, too stuttery, too all over the shot. So I don't actually know who's winning or who's losing. Yeah, it, it, there is no, there's no direction of action. I mean, I mean that's a big thing that you'll talk about in kind of directing where you do an action scene and you focus on, well, what is the momentum of the action? How does it go across the camera? How will you able to tell the momentum of the scene? These are mm. big, big questions because when you've got like so much stuff going on on the screen, you need really clear directions for your audience to kind of jump on because otherwise, like with this, you just get lost. Um, and this just does not consider those things. There's no momentum. There's no direction of action. It's just people who we barely got to know because they're not characters shooting at each other for various reasons which we can't follow and then some of them end up dead and some of them end up alive again for reasons of almost pure luck yeah yet somehow james yeah this episode is better than half of the last series <laughs> i wouldn't <laughs> go that far i think it's better than um than one or two of the last series but it's not great at all. No, it it it, it is it is questionable. I and mean, would you say it, oh, would you song. say it's better than Web Planet? No. So that's our halfway point, pretty much, isn't it, for both of us with Web, Web Planet and and for Yeah, Romans. it's not better than the Web Planet. I mean, uh, the Web Planet's insane, but at least it at least there's kind of a purpose for it being yeah. insane. Whereas with this, there's just no real purpose for what it does at all. Yeah. So, I think we're at the end, sort of. I think we've just about. We've made it through the uh, ten-minute song episode. Yeah, I I still can't believe which they've managed to put essentially half an episode worth of one song into this into this serial. I mean, I get the whole go big, go big, or go home policy, but really. <laughs> Like there's better way. That's the irritating thing. There's better ways to do it. Like if they did sparingly, say at the end of every episode, mm, that would have been fine. That would have made sense. It would have been fine. It would have been a quick summary, or maybe even a vague, metaphor-laden prediction of what the next episode is going to be. That would have been interesting. We could mm, see what metaphors nice. like were. A riddle or something. Yeah, sort of like a riddle song at the I end like of every that. episode. Sort of like prelude what's coming up in the next next week, so to speak. But Yeah, but the song's only purpose is literally to reflect back on you what the scene you've just watched was without adding yeah. anything to it. It's just, oh yeah, you just watched a barman get shot in the face. It's, it's like a narration, which I think we've already agreed in this po podcast before is just lazy and irritating. Yeah. Just timed up to seven yeah, no it's, narra it's narration that rhymes and also it's not needed because despite the fact it is all over shot you know what's going on well i'd have i'd have liked a bit of narration after the fight where they go and here are the people that are, but it's just sort of like and now they're all dead oh great they're all we're now a collective body of western men yeah yeah oh yeah there's there's a place in doctor who hell for that song Oof. You can tell why they didn't do it again, like for years and years. Yeah, I think it's a shame because I think there is a place for specifically written songs. Oh yeah, but doing it this way, it's just irritating. There's no I mean, reason for you it. Do, you can bake music into TV or film really, really well if you're clever and make it really important in the narrative. But this is just how not to use it. I mean, one we've even one. we've even discussed some ways of like a prelude of what's coming up. But no. Yeah, but yeah, they just use it the laziest way possible. It's just narrating scenes back at you, and not only that, it, it just almost reinforces how poor the story is. Yeah, it's it's just irritating because every five minutes you're listening to the song. Mm. So anyway, time for points. Yeah. What what are you going to give it, Owen? It's difficult because I generally don't. I forget how I word this. I don't think it's a terrible, a terrible show. It's perfect popcorn fodder. If you don't look into it too deeply, but the song just makes it so painful to listen to and to watch. Mm. Five, four, maybe five. Okay, maybe five for the gunfighters. Yeah. I, feel, I feel like if it wasn't for that song, it's perfect popcorn western fodder. Yeah. 
it doesn't make too much sense, but it kind of doesn't have to. Whatever it, it it goes along at its own pace. But then that song, and also as you mentioned, of it, there's issues in it. But if you're not looking for them, it's right. I, I have yeah. to say as well, I went into this episode knowing it was one of the worst rated episodes of Doctor Who. So I went in for it expecting something worse than Planet of Giants, which yeah, is and what you actually got was some... isn't that bad. Yeah, I suppose not. Although it's not a million miles off. Um, what do you give it, James? Um, I'm going to give this one a three. Uh, reason being is that it just doesn't make any sense, and it does all the things I dislike in scripts <laughs> over and over again. But I do agree with you that that it. With it being kind of Wild West and you can afford for it not to make too much sense, you don't have to think about yeah. it too much. If you took out the song, it would be a four, maybe yeah. a five. Yeah, I'm thinking Add about the it. the song would... in there, it could have been a two. <laughs> I'm being nice. Yeah, it... that song probably should scale down my score, but I'm looking past the song, attempting uh, yeah. to at least. I'm afraid my eyes don't govern beyond my ears. Uh, on this one and I can't get that song out of my head and for that uh, the creators of it will have to answer to the Lord so you're giving it a 2 and I'm giving it a 5 I'm giving it a 3 you're giving it a 3 you're going I am giving it. it a 3 I'm being nice but yeah yeah, uh, yeah a 3 yeah so only one episode left of season 3 this was a fun very st- truncated this, series this was a fun stop wasn't it we are already two thirds of the way <laughs> through the series although that song makes you feel like you've been through about three series on your own and we're also also we haven't actually spoken about this what have we not spoken about this for the last episode of Stephen we get oh of course yeah because yeah we um we miss out on Doctor Who and the Savages we don't have it yeah so just quickly right before we finish this up yay or nay on Stephen I'm going to go with a yay. I mean, we didn't get too much of him. We've only yeah. had three proper stories to, to go over, Stephen. But I think he was pretty decent in all three. Yeah, I've I've enjoyed his company. He's been quite interesting to be around. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't develop an awful lot from where he was at the start. But I know we don't see a lot of that, so it's hard really to judge it. Yeah. Um, I really liked him in the arc, though. I think if, yeah. that's, if that's your episode to go out as that that's your good companion moment, I think you'd take that. Also, he says a lot of funny things about who. You know what he said about uh, this story, by the way, Owen? It's a perfect place to lead off on. Peter Purves uh, said that he didn't like filming this because, quote, it was a crummy script. (laughs) Um, And also, only like half an episode left of Dodo. Yes, because we're going to be losing her next week. And then only two episodes left of Hartnell. A whole era is going out. Who'd have thought we'd make a whole Doctor's stories? Yeah. If we make a whole of Baker's, then that'd be remarkable. But... <laughs> if we get there, jeez. Yeah. Uh, we'll but, see. Yeah. But we've made it to the end of that another episode. If you enjoyed what you listened to, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, even if it's some odd thing you've never heard of. And if you want to tell us how wrong we were and how this song is on repeat constantly on your Spotify album playlist thing. Please get in touch. Tell us how wrong we are. Tell us how amazing this episode is and how it is the very pinnacle of what a Western could be by tweeting us at blackarchivepod or emailing us blackarchivepod at gmail.com. Oh, that was very nice. I don't need to add anything more. So we lead off from, as Peter Perv said, this crummy episode. We'll see you next week for hopefully some slightly better who. Uh, But until then, enjoy yourself, stay safe, and goodbye.